We're going to continue in our series, Love Comes First. And today I'm going to talk about separation anxiety. Oh, joy. Okay, Genesis chapter 12. As we get to the words in bold, you can read those aloud with me. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran and headed for the land of Canaan. Let's pray together. Father, your word is already anointed. We know that. But we know that every time we hear it, it changes us. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, to change us, to encourage us, to challenge us. Do whatever you need to do in our hearts. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said together, amen. amen. Now you may be seated. <laughs> As we think about separation anxiety, let me, before we get into the text, just acknowledge that there are, there are traumatic things that happen in life and that there is a real issue, let's say, with childhood separation anxiety disorder. I was reading uh, some of the things that that are symptoms of that, and the, the, uh, the specialists tell us that if you have three of these symptoms for four weeks, and those of you that have maybe young children, you would understand this if your child has excessive distress when separated from home or attachment figure, so maybe one of the parents, one of the caregivers, or if your child has excessive anxiety that a major event, maybe they think they're going to get lost or be kidnapped. I would say if you're sending your teenager to Europe, don't watch Taken Movie before you, <laughs> you head there. That will lead to separation. Maybe your child has a reluctance or refusal to go to school due to a fear of separation. Maybe their fear of being alone without an adult in the room or fear of going to sleep away from home or nightmares about separation. All of those things are realities. And today I'm not going to deal with, you know, tell you biblically, talk biblically about all those things, but I just want us not to just view separation anxiety as just, you know, you take an Advil and, and uh, it, it's going to all go away. Separation anxiety uh, faces adults, or, you know, confronts adults also. Maybe some adults are overly concerned when separated from their family. You say that possible causes are trauma. Maybe a child has a, a parent, maybe a mother with panic disorder. And then that feeds into their life. To think of the traumas, it was uh, January 2014. Uh, I was leading a leadership retreat of our uh, board and elders and pastors in, in, in uh, Gettysburg. Uh, and I get a call on Saturday morning from my wife hiding in the back of a store. It's when the shootings were taking place at the Columbia Mall. So my wife is there. Daughter-in-law Heidi is there. They're, none of them are here today. Not uh, Denise is at a scrapbook retreat. Heidi is with uh, and Anthony and Alexi. They're down at uh, Heidi's father's church. They're having uh, just a special service for them for 15 years of ministry. But the three of them were hiding in the back. I think it was of a Disney store. And Lexi was six years old at the time. I can tell you that for weeks after that, we were very sensitive. She was sensitive. We worked with people at the school. Christian school she was going to, and there was that 
that trauma had made that effect. So that is, that is very real, and uh, if you're going through that, we can help you and point you in directions uh, to, give, to get you help. Now, as we look at the life of Abraham, Abraham had a life filled with separations. He was separated from his homeland. He was separated from his family, from Ishmael, from Lot, almost from Isaac. And as we look at his text today, I want us to think about what we need to know about how God has designed us to overcome separation anxiety in life, mainly as adults and as believers in Jesus Christ. Let me give you three thoughts. The first thought is this. My pilgrimage will involve seasons of separation. My pilgrimage will involve seasons of separation. There's no way to get around it. <laughs> There's no way to avoid it. There will be separations in life. In the text we just read, God told Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family. So Abraham departed. Lot went with him. He took his wife. He took all his wealth, and he headed for the land of Cana. As you, on social media, you see people uh, posting separations. Maybe uh, someone's going into the military. Maybe someone's kids are going to college, people are getting married, there's vocational separation, there's even separation in marriage, there's a, a separation or divorce that takes place. Think about vocational ministries, and vocational ministries you have missionaries, pastors, campus ministries, you have people that move from one part of the country or one part of the world to another because God has called them there. In 1975, I shared several weeks ago, very quickly, I go to Philadelphia Teen Challenge and work on their team for a year, and then go home in 76, and then 78, go to Martinsburg, West Virginia, and then 1980, come back to Baltimore and work on staff with my dad, and 90, head to West Virginia to work for our district, and then 95, you've been stuck with me since that part of the journey, but all along the journey, I just remember what it felt like to, to leave the family, to leave the church, to leave the people that I was working with. You know, separations always include risk, don't they? Spiritually, maybe, to your faith. People who were maybe very secure in the kingdom and they go somewhere and, you know, things begin to unravel in their lives. There's a, a spiritual risk there. Now, as we think about separations, let me, you may want to write this down to think about this today, that God may or may not want you to stay where you are right now in relationships, geographically, you know, spiritually. Think with me about Abram. Abram, his father, Terah, moved the family away from Ur of, the Ur of Chaldeans, and Terah never reaches Cana. He never reaches that promised land. But Abraham would. And Abraham, his, his name means the father of many. When you remember this, that the, the three major world religions, or three of the major world religions, look to Abraham as the father of their faith. Most of the world's population claims that Abraham was the spiritual founder of their faith. Let that sink in for just a minute. That this was a man who was on a pilgrimage and a journey of separations. Spiritual separations are necessary to live out God's purpose in your life. If you're going to follow God, there are going to be seasons of separation. Separations are not only what God, something God is calling you to, but sometimes separations are what God is calling you from. So Israel was called up out of the land of Egypt, right, to the promised land. There's a, a calling away from. Abraham was called away from Ur. His father's name, Terah, means, uh, means moon. 
The Ur of the Chaldeans was a place where there was lunar worship. They worshiped the moon. And his father was named that way as a worshiper of the moon. And God called them away from that. The descendants of Noah, the last family to know God, they had become moon worshipers. And God called them out of the culture and back to him. You you may have been called out of a family. You may have been called out of a culture or out of a situation to serve God. I I love the stories on International Sunday a few weeks ago and to hear how God had reached down and through missionaries and through other circumstances calling people out of their culture back to back to him. And God's call to separation again is it's where you're going to find your purpose in life. There's some people that have said no to the separation, no to the calling and walk around with regrets. Let me tell you especially young adults, young people in the room, those of you that have more years to follow God than many of us, do not fight God's call. Don't fight God's call. Don't don't argue with God's call. Later on in Joshua chapter 24 and verses 2 and 3, Joshua would tell the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, long ago your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River, and they worshiped other gods. But I took your ancestor Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates, and I led him into the land of Cana. I gave him many descendants through his son Isaac. All of our histories involve God calling you or your parents or your grandparents or someone out of paganism. Paganism just meaning simply out of not being a God worshiper. And and Joshua was reminding the people of Israel their wonderful heritage of being called out. Serving God, whether you're changing locations geographically or not, requires separation. Many of you have had to drop friendships, anybody in the room like that. Many of you have had to say no to a boyfriend or to a girlfriend or to someone that was going to take you down the wrong path and you have to say no to them. I want to say to you as parents that have children, that have young, maybe college age and 20-somethings in your family, model and encourage hearing from God and following God. That's my parents modeled that for me. When I had this opportunity to be a staff member at Teen Challenge and travel with the ministry group, I had the invitation, and the next week, within a week, my parents had bought me a keyboard that I would need. I was on a bus, and I was gone away, and they had to, they said, George, we're going to raise the support for you. You know, back then, $200 a month, I think it was. You, you know, you could live large for $200 a month. <laughs> Not really, but it just, it was like, they, if this is God's call in your life, go. Yeah, you're dropping college in the middle of the semester, but go. This is what God wants you to do. I'm thankful for a heritage like that. And I think we need to be people who give that kind of heritage to our sons and to our daughters, to those who are close to us. Your legacy shouldn't be defined. This is going to be a tough pill to swallow, parents. Your legacy shouldn't define, be defined by how close your parents or li- your children are living to you. It should be defined as how close your family lives to God. Okay? Wherever they are, if they're following God, if they're following God's purpose, that's the goal in life. That was the goal of Abraham. See, love does come first. And the most loving thing you can do is release your family to serve God wherever he takes them, wherever he takes them and leads them on the journey. I'm going to say to the students today and to young people today, 
Don't cave to the expectations of culture or of family to serve God, you know, or even your giftedness. I'm gifted this way or I'm gifted that way. Yeah, but God still may have a different calling in your life. There are some, there are some wonderful engineers that are pastors and ministry leaders that God has called them to that. There, there are some other, you know, there, there's just, you just don't say, oh, I'm gifted this way. Say, God, what have you called me to? What is your purpose in my life? The greatest regret you can ever have in your life is saying no to God's call on your life. God's call doesn't have to be just a ministry. God's call is wherever you're working. God's call is to whatever, he, whatever vocation he has called you to. Don't live with that regret. Live with saying, yes, God. Abraham and his family, Abram back then said, yes to God. Yes to all the seasons of change. And God had a blessing for them. Second thought is how I separate when there are times of separation either reveals it either heals or it harms. It's going to bring healing or it's going to bring harm. Abraham moved in the direction that God had sent him. God told him that he was going to give him a land and he was land that would be filled with descendants more than the stars in the sky. The former moon worshiper built altars along the way. Uh, a famine strikes the land, and you know the story of him going to Egypt, and before he gets there, his wife is attractive, probably 70 years old, and he, he says, you know, this is my sister, that's not my, and, and it, brings some, uh, it brings some disasters on Pharaoh, and, and somehow, aren't you glad God can turn your messes around in life? <laughs> so they go in uh, hungry, they go in without anything, and they leave Egypt with their lives, <laughs> they leave not only with their possessions, they leave with many, uh, in their livestock, they leave with many material blessings as they're leaving Pharaoh. So Abraham is very wealthy. He returned to the place he had previously built, where he had built altars and worshiped God, and his journey continues. And it picks up here, the story picks up about Lot. Lot, who was traveling with Abram, had also become very wealthy with flocks of sheep and goats and herds of cattle and many tents. But the land could not support both Abram and Lot with all their flocks and herds living so close together. Read this with me. So what? Disputes broke out between the herdsmen of Abram and Lot. At that time, the Canaanite and Perizzites were also living in the land. Finally, Abram said to Lot, let's not allow this conflict to come between us or our herdsmen. After all, we're close relatives. The whole countryside is open to you. And then he says, take your what? Choice of any section of the land you want, and we will separate. If you want the land to the left, then I'll take the land to the right. If you prefer the land on the right, then I'll go to the left. How many of you would like to have Abram as a business partner? Whatever you want, you can have. Well, this part of uh, the journey that Abram is on is a test of his faith and his leadership, his uh, kind of parenting in a way. Lot is his nephew, but it's still a family construction. And in the family, uh, among the herdsmen, there are some disputes that happen. There's too much wealth and too little land. Wouldn't you like to have that problem? Too much wealth and too, too little land. You know, sometimes uh, three generations living under the same roof works, and sometimes it doesn't work. <laughs> and sometimes somebody needs to go. And so there was going to be a change. The land could not support both Abram and Lot's flocks. Now, Abraham, 
He doesn't bring in a, a counselor, a relationship specialist. He doesn't sit everybody down. That's one of the herdsmen's fa- of the herdsmen. He knows the reality. The reality is there's not enough land, and it's time for Lot to be on its own. And then his process, he says, take your choice of any section of the land you want. Abram was secure in his call, and that God was blessed, God's blessing was not dependent on the land, on his choice of land. He was not in competition with Lot. Abram modeled love comes first and trusted God with the outcome. Abram, and some of you parents really need to hear this, I need to hear this, Abram desired a relationship more than controlling the outcomes. Okay, as you're dealing with your children. Do you want a relationship with them, or do you want to control them when they're 40, 50, 60? Is is that what it's about? Parents, here's here's the thought. You might be able to control the circumstances, but you can't control their hearts. You might be able to control the circumstances, but you can't control their hearts. Abram models for us as parents, as managers, as leaders, as grandparents, be gracious when there's not enough land. Be gracious. Be generous. You remember the story of the prodigal son. It's really more rightly uh, titled, The Loving Father. It was about the father, God the father. The father didn't take the prodigal out and say, son, um, I know you want some of the inheritance now, but can we make a deal if you stay here? Can I get you some help? What, what's the problem? It was hard. He released him and he gave him the, his inheritance. Now, I don't know about you, but I hate to make, I hate to see my loved ones make poor decisions. I hate to make poor decisions, but, I, but when you know what's coming down and you know what the end is going to be, you don't want those unwise decisions. And I try to avoid those. I try to help them to stop that. But what did love do here? Love said, here's your inheritance. Go with my blessing. What was the end of the story? The prodigal was restored and he honored his father. If I could just be a servant, if I could just, just to be back. He, he was just praying that the father would take him back. Meanwhile, the guy with a hard heart who had all the blessings and had the double portion argued with his father, didn't want his, son, his brother coming back because his heart was gone to the big bin. The prodigal physically went. The son who was there had a hard heart towards his father. Didn't, didn't understand what blessed his father. Didn't understand what brought joy to his father. So he was angry and he was ungrateful. He didn't get it. It was, I think, about pastoring over these last uh, couple dozen years uh, and uh, former staff pastors. I have, a, I have a list. I have three lists that I pray for every day. One is family and some close concerns and some things about me that I ask God to, continuing to help God, ask God to help me change. There's a second list that's uh, all, the, all the pastors, those that are in ministry with me now. Each one of those gets prayed for every day. And then I have another list of the 152 pastors that have worked with me. Now, it's not that many, but <laughs> it's so many that I divide it up, about four, five a day, Monday through Friday, that I'm praying for. And, you know, sometimes you, as a pastor, I, like, I, can work, I can get them to work together. I can get them to work this out. 
You know what I've learned over time? Sometimes it's better to be an Abram and just say, okay, <laughs> you need to find the land where you're going, and uh, there's, there's not enough land here for both of us, so <laughs> you need to move on. And uh, sometimes you find in church the, the herdsmen complaining, and my mistake was I could, I could be the diplomat and I could get them to serve together, but it's, it's usually a big mistake. So now, and you may, maybe if you're a, a business person, a, a manager, maybe uh, help you to think through... Um, people who are maybe thinking about leaving. So if I, I and all the pastors know this. Sam knows this. Uh, and uh, the other pastors aren't here because they're gone. I, there wasn't no, <laughs> Anthony's, <laughs> Anthony has the, the Sunday off. But uh, what, I, what I tell the pastors, if, if someone comes, my, if one of my pastors comes in, one of our pastors comes in and has a resignation letter, I tell them this, you need to think about this because once it's in my hand, it's irrevocable. <laughs> it's done. We're not here to play games about who can stay and who can come, or I need this, or we're not here to negotiate. Abram said to Lot, take your choice of land and go. Just a wisdom thing, something that may help you <laughs> as, a, as a business person. You know, I, I just warn them once, and then there's no turning back. The truth is, if, if someone is out of line, it's not my, not my deal to... It's not my uh, thing that I've got to deal with them. God is going to deal with them. And, it, you know, they've got, to, they've got to work that out between them and the Lord. You know, most of the transitions, that we say, have been very health, healthy. But I can tell you that there are pastors, of, uh, a couple of pastors, maybe three pastors that have been on staff here, that I've called and apologized to them years later. There were some things going on I didn't recognize, some things that I was doing, and I've called them. I said, would you forgive me? I need to apologize. And I can tell you there's a few pastors that have called me and also apologized. You know, God works those things out, doesn't he? If you give him time, you can't change people's hearts, but God can change people's hearts. Circumstances can change people's hearts. Being in a pig pen, the prodigal, his heart was changed. That was part of God's process. And so sometimes love, the most loving thing you can do is releasing people, and then it you want to do it in a way that brings healing and brings hope to them. Separations will either harm or they will heal. Let me give you the final point. Separations, and I've said this a little bit already, reveal my heart issues. Separations quite often aren't as much about the people I'm being separated from or the, the job I'm being separated from or the, uh, the dream that I'm being separated from as it's about my heart and where I'm at. Lot had been given a blank check by the man who had mentored him. Lot had all this wealth, wealth beyond his imagination. Lot was loved unconditionally by Abram. Now, how would Lot respond when given the opportunity? You can have the land on the right, you can have the land on the left. It's up to you, Lot, whatever you want. Genesis chapter 13 gives us the rest of the story. Read these, uh, the part that's involved with me. What happened? Lot took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zoar. The whole area was well watered everywhere, like the garden of, of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And read, Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and servants and parted company with his uncle Abram. So Abram settled in the land of Cana, and Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom and settled among the what cities of the plain. 
But the people of this area were extremely wicked and constantly sinned against the Lord. A couple of uh, things you might want to highlight in your Bible, in your text here. The first one, two words. Lot took a long look. A long look towards a place that God was not present. Can I say to you, friend, be careful where you're looking. Be careful where you have the, maybe the post-it notes or the stickers on your dashboard. I want this kind of car or this kind of house or this kind of man or this kind of, well, I don't know, whatever you, whatever you post there. Be careful where you're looking. He took a long look. He thought about it. He meditated on it. And then it says, he chose for himself. Now, why didn't Lot go to his uncle and say, uncle, what do you think? Where's the better place for me? Uncle had brought him from the land of Ur. Uncle had been there the whole time, and he doesn't even, it's not recorded that he even asked Uncle Abram what he thinks is the best, how they should divide the land up. He didn't say, oh, no, Uncle, <laughs> everything belongs to you. you. You choose where you want to go, and, and I'll take the other place. No, he chose what he thought was the best without counsel. And then he says that he moved near Sodom. Lot was taken with the lights of the city. Well, this is a great place. This is a place where wealth, this is a place of entertainment, this is a place of society moving along. This is the place that I want to live. What was Abram's heart? I have to believe that Abram's heart was a longing for Lot to stay away from Sodom. But Abram knew he couldn't change his heart. God would have to be the one to change his heart. How could someone who had been rescued from worshiping the moon go to a place near Sodom? You know, you hear the stories of, yeah, my, it uh, wasn't this way in my life, but let's say someone will tell you about their parents or their grandparents that had addiction problems. And you see them and, no, they're not addicted to chemicals, but they're addicted to work. Or they're addicted to something else. And they, they, they wait, wait, wait. God, God had brought healing. Brought, God offers you hope for those things. How could you go from worshiping the moon to, to return to a place like Sodom, a godless place? See, Lot's choice revealed the location of his heart. You're thinking about the story of the prodigal. The prodigal son listened to his heart. And uh, his first thing was, I want to experience the pleasures of this world. But there was a second time in the pig pen that the prodigal son listened to his heart again. And his heart said, I want to experience the treasure of my father. I want to be in his presence again. Even if the things that were on my mind that I had meditated on, that I had looked, taken a long look at, if I had this job, if I had this money, if I had this vocation, if I had this position, it doesn't matter anymore. If the father would just take me back in. How different would Lot's life have been if he would have chosen Abram over Sodom? Can I say to you again, younger people, choose your counselors wisely. Get mentored by wise people. Don't think you know it all because it'll take you on a journey of separation that you'll regret. Yes, you can be restored, but think about the lost years. Think about the lost blessings in your life. Every one of us has choices. Choices like culture, 
Our culture is the very same as Sodom, isn't it? Sodom and Gomorrah, America, maybe even more so than the rest of the world, is more similar today than Sodom and Gomorrah than the rest of the world, probably. There's nothing new under the sun, is there? The sin, the idolatry, the selfishness, all that is there, and to our to our young people, especially to adults, we're thinking, okay, this, this looks good. This, this, there has to be something in here that will, that will fulfill my desires. I was not here a couple weeks ago, but Christopher Ryan, his testimony is one of following the trail to Sodom and all the things that happened, but aren't you glad that God still restores? What a wonderful story. What a wonderful testimony. And I have to believe, even though it doesn't say here in the text that Abraham was praying for Lot. He was interceding for him. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but I know that many of you that are interceding for somebody today, aren't you? Somebody that has made the wrong choices. Someone that's not just separate from you physically, but they're separate, more importantly, spiritually from God. And I'm here to tell you that God can bring people back. My parents interceded for my brother who was a prodigal for a couple of decades. Drugs, same-sex attraction, all of that stuff. But God was not able to produce the fruits in my brother's life over those couple of decades that I know God would have liked to have produced in his life because he made a choice to be separate. He made a choice to go his own way. Here's Lot. And I don't want to be heavy with this, but I really want you to think about choices in your life. Here's Lot who is spared with the clothes on his back as he leaves Sodom and Gomorrah as they are being destroyed, right? He doesn't leave with his livestock. He doesn't leave with herdsmen. He doesn't leave with the wealth that he had left that he had with Abram. But he made some foolish choices, and yes, God spared him. But think of the regrets that he had. This was not a Job story. Lot didn't get double. Lot got zero, except he kept his life. Be very cautious where you're looking, what you're contemplating, who you're following, what you think will bring you fulfillment in life. God has called us to be separate, separate from Sodom and Gomorrah, separate from ungodly friends who are going to pull you down, separate from the sins of this world, to be in like Abram, to live in a place where God can bless you and Abraham continued to be blessed and would finally have the son of promise. Of course, you'd have Ishmael before that. He, he's just like you and me. He still had, has his own problems, but he lived in a place that was blessable because he stayed separate from the world and he dedicated his life to God. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, it says, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land. When God called him to be separate, it was by faith that God, and in, in Hebrews eleven eight says that God would give him the land that God would give him as his inheritance. 
He went without knowing where he was going. Let me park on that for a minute as the musicians join me. He went where he was going without knowing about it. Isn't that one of the most difficult things in life? To begin that journey, to take that step of faith, say, I believe this is what God is calling me to. And you're going, but you're not knowing. Anybody here like this pastor, you like to know before you go? <laughs> I like to know before we go. We're getting on those long flights to Athens and then to Thessaloniki and then to Israel. I wanted to know my seat number before I was going to go. <laughs> I wanted to avoid the middle, middle seat in the middle row. Anybody like that? I don't like to be in the middle seat in the middle row. I want to know before I go. <laughs> Unfortunately, I was able to figure that out before I went. But, <laughs> but a lot of the bigger things in life, it's just a step of faith. God is, well, I'm feeling this way today, but I believe that there are some of you here today that there's some things you're dealing with right now that God's calling you to be separate, to walk away from. It might be a business partnership. It might be a wrong relationship with someone, an emotional attachment. If God is calling you to do that, do not play around with it. Make a decision today. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to talk to the business partner he can have what he wants, she can have what she wants, but I'm going to walk away. I'm not going to be unequally yoked. Maybe God is calling you to a place, to something, and you're afraid. You're afraid to take that step of faith. Be an Abram. Take a step that God can bless you in. And don't have any anxiety over it. Don't have any anxiety over leaving the world behind. The world behind me, the, the cross before me, right? The world behind me, the cross before me. We, uh, some of you, are, I'm going to have to intercede for in the next eight or nine days. Some of you are going to have are having so much anxiety, you just can't turn off Fox or CNN or whatever else is going on. Can I tell you, as your pastor, God's called us to live separate. I'm not of the kingdom of this world. I'm of the kingdom of the world to come. God is going to do and allow whatever he allows so that we get to wherever we need to be. God allowed Sodom and Gomorrah to be destroyed so Lot could get out of town. There was an intercessor that was involved that was praying. Abram was praying, Abram, but God, but God, if we could only find, if we, and he, the number kept going down, and God says, yeah, this city, there's no way this city can be saved, but I'll save Lot. Some of you were Lots, weren't you? Somebody prayed you out of Sodom and Gomorrah, and you need to remember it. You need to say, God, I want to be that kind of person. I'm not going to get anxious. If you call me, I'm going to go. God, if you ask me to separate, I'm going to separate. No anxiety, just faith in you. you know, if you don't have personal relationship with Jesus Christ, much of what I've said today, you don't really understand. <laughs> Seems like this is foolishness. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, a lot of time I don't know what I'm talking about, but I can tell you God knows what he's talking about. And God designed you. He has a plan for you. And he, and he is going to order your steps, but you have to follow him. Please don't live a life of regret.
live a life that from this day on, October the 30th, 2022, God, I'm for you. And then he's going to be for you. And if he's going to be for you, who can be against you? (laughs) What's going to stop you? Yeah, you're going to have disappointments. You're going to have setbacks. You may have Egypts. You may have things that you go through in life. But you're going to come out knowing that your Redeemer lives and that he is preparing a place for you. You begin that journey, the spiritual journey, by acknowledging your sin, the failure that you have in your own life, your own brokenness. And then you say, I acknowledge that and I I admit it, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I can tell you as we're going through Israel and as we're going through Corinth, one of the things that stood out to me, I think it was my first time in Corinth and we're at the Bema seat where... uh, where Paul was being accused and all of the things there. And they, they keep, the archaeologists keep finding things that validate the Bible. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> yeah, the Bible says this. And like, oh, here we are, 2,000, 20 years later, and we just make the discovery. Yeah, the Bible's true. I tell you, the Bible is true. <laughs> Jesus is the Son of God. He died on the cross for our sins, and he was resurrected the third day. You need to believe that. And then you say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you in my journey. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to trust you to help me with my anxieties in life. I'm going to trust you to help me with where I should go, where I shouldn't go, who I should be with, who I shouldn't be with. And if you follow him, you'll walk in blessing. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus right now. And we thank you that everybody in this room, everyone who's listening online, you you have a wonderful plan for their life. And the Holy Spirit lives within every one of us who are followers And Holy Spirit, we repent right now for the times we've turned your voice off. We've changed the channel. We've we've looked and we've longed for something else. And we've said no to your voice. We repent right now. We say, Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak to us. We're we're, we're changing the channel right now. We We are just saying our ears are attentive and open to your voice. Father, I pray that you would give each one clear direction. Father, for those among us who are just beginning that spiritual journey, maybe this is their moment, maybe it's just a few weeks that they've been in and they're trying to figure things out. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would lift anxiety in Jesus' name, that they would, like Abram, be able to follow you, not knowing where they're going, but secure in who they are following. May it be so in their lives. Fill them with joy. Fill them with confidence. Fill them with hope that only comes through a relationship with you. Father, as we prepare to receive communion today, we once again ask you to forgive our sins. Thank you that you forgave Lot's sins. You forgave Abram's sins. You forgave the apostles' sins. You forgive our sins today. We don't take it lightly, but we know that we don't merit it or deserve it, and we come to the table with gratitude in our hearts. So Father, we ask your blessing on this time. Would you stand with me and if you have not yet um, or you would like to receive communion with us, we have communion here at the tables and in the back we invite you to take the bread and the cup and I'm going to pray over them in just a moment and then we're going to worship God in song together. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he, he took the bread and he broke it. You know, on that night, he had just washed the feet of all the disciples. 
One who was going to deny him three times and one who was going to make a bad choice and betray him. And yet he loved them and he gave his life for them. Aren't you thankful he gave his life for you too? I've denied him. I've betrayed him. I've done things that don't make him proud, but I'm so thankful for his gift of his life. Father, we thank you for the bread. Bless it to us. Lord, I pray like the healings that just happened in Israel on our trip, that if there's someone here today that needs a healing touch on their body, that it will happen today. We believe you and we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's eat together. And after dinner, he took the cup and he said, this is the new covenant. His blood paid the price for us. The blood that was mixed with water and flowed out of his body when that spear was put in his side. I was reminded as we were in Israel and we were there in the garden garden tomb, maybe the place where Jesus was uh, rented a room for a few days. We're not sure if it's the exact place of the, of the tomb in Golgotha. And what they were telling us about crucifixion was that when the Romans used the crucifixion, usually people lasted on those crosses for two or three days. They would break the bones in their legs finally, but they were just heaving themselves up to gasp air from asphyxiation they were dying and go back down and they'd heave up lift up and then they would have to go back down and all the pain of the nerves going through and I don't want to get into it too gory but they said it was so cruel that generally the, these, these men that were dying on a cross as people were passing in front of them they were pleading to die the pain was so awful someone killed me Someone end it. This is excruciating. Jesus went through that for you and for me. Anyone here grateful for what he did for you? Grateful that he went to the cross. Grateful that he spilled his blood. Father, thank you for your blood. Thank you for being the sacrifice for my sins, for our sins, for everyone who calls on your name. Thank you. Thank you for the new covenant. Not a covenant based on my works, but a covenant based on your work. When you said on the cross to tell us, die, it is finished. The enemy has lost. Heaven is going to be populated with the millions and millions of people who put their trust in you. Let's drink together with thanksgiving. Would you join me in just lifting up a shout right now? Say, hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I'm free. He who's the sun sets free is free indeed, free in every way. Thank you, God. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you that when I repent, you, re- you receive me. You, you say yes, you forgive. You're continually redeeming. Thank you, God, that you redeem situations that seem impossible. And Father, as a church, we pause and we pray for the lots in our lives. Pray for the prodigals in our lives. 
Lord, I know that many here that there's pain and anxiety right now as they're thinking about that son or that daughter, that wayward family member, that friend that maybe knew all the blessings, maybe even grew up in this church, and then they strayed, and they're so far. Father, we're going to continue praying. We're going to continue interceding. But we're not going to do so with the anxiety that it depends on us. We know that you paid the price by sending your son Jesus to the cross. And so we trust you, Holy Spirit, with their lives. We trust you, Holy Spirit, to put them in maybe very difficult places if they need to be there. We, we, pray, we pray that the circumstances and their heart is turned towards the Father once again. May prodigals continue to come home. We pray this in the powerful, the strong, the redeeming and restoring name of your one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. and amen. Let's sing together. Amen.